The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your mercies that are so much bigger than we ever give you credit for, so much more profound and so much more satisfying uh, then, then often we uh, we partake, and so Lord, we pray that we would just uh, bathe our minds and hearts in the mercy that's been given to us in Christ as we sing these songs about uh, us entering into Your presence. Let us not forget that it was a, a cross uh, that stood between us that Jesus embraced in order to uh, to tear the the veil from top to bottom and invite us into Your presence. And so we are so grateful for your love and grace that that authored all of that and scripted that so that we might know your mercy tangibly and personally. Uh, We thank you for the the sweetness of your gospel realized in the the sacrifice, Lord Jesus, that you were joyfully willing to make on our behalf uh, so that we would know the Father, that you would invite us into that precious relationship, Lord, that we would never take that for granted and always embrace the opportunity to dwell in your presence, knowing that one day there is better than thousands elsewhere. Uh, Father, I pray for, for hope as a mama. I pray that you would care for her her hurting heart, Lord, that you would care and comfort and bring peace and, and direction, that you would equip her church family up in the panhandle and her mama and Patty and others to just to uh, experience the comfort for Lisette, Father, that, is, uh, that has grown so fond of hope and, and precious Ellie, Lord. We just pray for comfort for all of those folks. Lord, we just uh, continue to ask for comfort for those that have recently lost loved ones. Help us to be your hands and feet, Lord, those that have experienced your grace and mercy and comfort and strength. Help us to be uh, branches uh, so that we might truly be participants in the, the wonderful work that you're doing and long to do. Uh, Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and your mercy. We continue to give you Miss Esther and Frank. Father, we we ask, we thank you for the good reports that they have had, including Jerry as well, Lord. And and just uh, just ask that you would continue to help us to be a part of your glorious work as we as we yield our time, talent, and resources uh, to uh, to see these prayers that we plead for answered uh, as as instruments of your grace and truth life and provision. Lord, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please now, would you speak to our hearts and liberate us from uh, from these uh, these deceptive lies that, that keep us in chains uh, at times. Uh, help us to know that the, that the truth sets us free. Help us to in, embrace that truth as our, our personal doctrine and belief so that we might experience the freedom that is in Christ because uh, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So help us to to uh, to trust you, Lord, at every promise that you have made. Please teach us about your word this day for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Um, so I, I want to I mention a couple things as we go in, because I was reminded of this during our time of worship this morning. Do you know, and I've, we've, I've had a, several conversations this morning around this, this topic, do you know that, uh, that worship is a weapon? Do you, do you know that? 
Do you know that when we worship, if we truly aren't just singing a song, but we're aiming our hearts at God and declaring his truth through song and we're, and we're giving him glory and praise and we're, and we're recounting, remembering all of his faithfulness, his goodness, his promises, his love. Like when we, when we worship in spirit and in truth, when we truly just you know, allow these lyrics to become our, our anthems and our, our declarations, right? Um, man, there is, uh, there is a victory that's won in our hearts, in our lives. Like when, when we, when we, when we worship him, what happens is, let, let me just say it this way. The enemy hates when God is worshiped because he wants to be worshiped. Right. And when we worship him, it is the, the the victories are happening in our hearts and minds and in our circumstances. Even we see when 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 uh, Israel chose to put the worshipers out front and declare God's promise to be a present reality before they even walked into it, that when they showed up at the battlefield, they had all turned on themselves. It took them three days to collect the plunder. Right. I mean, like the battle is won when we declare him God in song, in our hearts, in our attitudes, in our choices. Like, man, it's faith. Right. We overcome the world by faith when we trust God to be this glorious warrior on our behalf. I mean, that's exactly he says, be still and I will fight for you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Right. Like, you know, uh, entrust yourself to a faithful creator who judges justly like we've got to let God fight the battles for us. And we've got to just put our hope and trust and confidence in him. And so remember that worship is a weapon. Right. It is a way that that we stand in the gap on others behalf. It's the way that we uh, it's, it's how we I mean, it, it, you know, this is what Job said in the midst of his chaos. He said, Naked I came into the world, naked I will depart. The Lord is given, the Lord is taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. He worshiped God in the midst of the storm. And uh, so that that is a challenge for each of us. The other thing I want to say to you this morning as we get into this text is, so this is our dwell Sunday, the end, the last Sunday of every month. We we focus on our, our annual theme here is dwell. Uh, you'll have an occasion if you're taking the, the challenge that we're given, um, you know, every every month starting in January, we encourage you to spend your first five minutes with the Lord and in, in uh, January and then add another five minutes after 30 days to the beginning of February and then the beginning of March. You know, we challenge you to add another five that you would spend the first 15 minutes of your day with the Lord. And, and we believe uh, because of scriptures, um, directives and, and guidance and uh, promises that that if you know if we if we dwell in his presence it changes us it transforms prepares us uh, it heals us uh, you know all the fruits uh, that are promised in god's presence the the abundance of joy is in his presence we're told in, in psalm 16 so like it, it is so important we spend time with him well we're on the precipice of april and uh, the challenge will be to then again, once again, add another five minutes. And and I, I'm confident if you have been taking this challenge, that the more time we spend with him, the more time we want to spend with him. You know, it is uh, it is a well that never runs dry. It is uh, it is a, a joy. We find the joy of his presence and all we want as the psalmist sang and we sang this morning is more of him. Uh, here's the danger, guys. We come to this place, and I'm sure all of us can be guilty of this, is often we want the healing without the healer. We want the gift without the gift giver. Like, are, are we pursuing the things we want 
that he is he wants to give us without pursuing him because it's him that it's it's him that that brings all those things to fruition in our life it's pursuing his heart and wanting him more than we want more even than we want the healing or the gift or the understanding or the or the discernment or direction it's uh it's him and so this morning is is really all about that and as if you are taking that challenge uh we're going to ask you to put another fingerprint on uh on the always evolving tree that's out in our foyer and uh and that's the that's the the challenge uh is to add more time to spending uh time with him so i'm going to read our, our passage today um guys if you know we we're we're begging the lord for understanding on this because if this becomes very practical in your life like it will revolutionize every facet of your living and every relationship that's in your life will be transformed by this truth um jesus is challenging us to stay connected to him to abide in him to make him our home to live in him through him um this is our challenge and uh and if we really understand that apart from him we can do nothing and that in him is the abundance of life that we're so hungry for the satisfaction that we go to other things seeking and not finding um once we realize it's like peter said where else can we go you have the words to eternal life and so um uh, i hope you have your bibles with you and if you do if you turn with me to john 15 um chapter 15 verses 1 through 11 is where we're going to be focused here uh this is a passage that we've already looked at a month ago because this really really is the centerpiece of what when we talk about dwell or abide or staying or planted you know all of these synonyms that really is the lord's way of saying seek me and you will find me you know uh that he wants us to to find time in fact we're we're even told by jesus in luke chapter 10 that there's only one thing that's necessary in life in all of life and it's to sit at his feet everything flows out of that because here's here's our challenge and he knows our hearts and our prone you know how much how prone we are to wonder that like we we try to find our sense of purpose in in our doings and jesus is trying to to convince us that if that our purpose is found in our being with him and our doings flow out of that okay that's a lot of what we're talking about this morning that our purpose is found in his presence like all of the resources we need to for guidance direction strength comfort peace love all the resources we need to be his agents in this world comes from him and we've got to stay connected to him we've got to we've got to rem- and we we just we we're so prone to start doing our thing instead of his thing and uh and he says the antidote to this is abide in me stay close to me live in me make me your home Father I pray that the words of our my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight for you alone are our rock and our redeemer in Jesus name amen So John 15 uh starts off uh like this 
These are Jesus' words to his disciples in the last hours before he's arrested and crucified. Um, These are literally hours, uh, less than a day, uh, the evening before. And he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and and the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so... Have I loved you? Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full or complete. So I have a question as we get going here, is what has the Lord done to dwell with us? Because the predominant theme in the Old and New Testament is that God has come near. God has drawn near to us. And truly the cross has been the, uh, the wall of hostility has been torn down. This is the, the bridge back by grace and mercy. This is the bridge back to an intimate relationship with Him. So truly God has done the first, the greatest work in order to abide with us. Right? He, he first chose us. He first loved us. And that love motivated us, made, motivated him to give his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have ever to everlasting life. And so God has made the first move. And that move is significant because the truth is, unless he moved, we weren't getting there. We didn't even want. We were so distant and so separated from life himself. And that's why we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Separated from life. So that we, we didn't even want, we were so in darkness that light was, was, uh, was offensive to us. And then light himself came in the form of Emmanuel, drew near to us, showed us his love, his warmth, his grace, and then died sacrificially in order to invite us in. Please understand, that's what he did. He tore the curtain from, from heaven to earth. That's what happened is heaven came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, in order to show us the Father, in order to invite us into his presence, because in his presence is everything that we are longing for, including life and so much more. And so when he here is saying to us, abide in me, or in James, draw near to me, right? Come close, make me your home, your abode, your hiding place, 
Like he's already done all the work to make that possible so that now we can abide. And this is, this is a, an, an imperative in this passage. Like Jesus is pleading with his disciples, like now it's possible for you to stay with me. And, you know, he's already told them in the previous chapter, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may also be like, he's told them. And, and, and Philip gets all upset. He's like, well, where are you going? And how could we know the way if we don't know where you're going? And Jesus says this, I am the way I am the way. And that's another way of saying, guys, a lot of times we're looking to God for direction and discernment. But don't we know that, that if we just, if we, if we go after the way himself, that he is going to provide that direction in relationship with him. He's basically saying, you want to know the way? Follow me. Follow me. Stay, stay close. Stay right here. And if you think about it, the disciples turned their GPS, GPS off three and a half years ago, right? They, just, they, they basically just put their feet in, in his footprints. And, and, and Jesus was saying, look, I'm going to send you a spirit, another helper, so that you can continue to do this from an internal um, direction and, 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 and guidance, right? And, and we, have that same, we have that same helper. That is, and, and what is he trying to help us to do? I would say to draw near. He is trying to help us to stay close because that's where every conviction, beautiful thing happens when we stay close. Healing, cleansing, it says, Jesus says in verse three here, he says, he says, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. We'll talk about that. So basically a paraphrase of this is Jesus is saying, live in me because you live by me. Isn't that true? That's what he's saying. Live in me because you live by me. And fruit is simply evidence that we are alive. That's what this text is telling us. That the fruit is just evidence that we are connected to life himself. I mean, Jesus is saying, make me your home. Make me your home, your dwelling place. And as I said earlier, you know, our, Peter said, you know, like when he was told, you know, do you want to go too? like when the teaching got hard, when the when the path became difficult? And Peter said, where else can we go, Lord? You have the words to eternal life. So verse one, which I believe is that everything else that Jesus says after verse one is commentary on this, on verse one. So he says, Jesus says the seventh I am statement in the gospel of John. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Some translations will say gardener. A lot of translations say gardener. Some say even farmer. But the point is he's in charge of the vineyard and we are branches in that vineyard. Um, And he's in charge of all of the the, the production, the, the, the fruitfulness, the trimming and pruning and cleaning. So I got some questions for you as we dive into this. What are you connected to? What are you connected to? What are you, what are you connecting to with the hope that it's going to offer you what only Christ can offer? What, what are you connected to that you think is going to give you purpose? And that's going to give you peace? Joy, hope, 
satisfaction. And with that said, I want to ask another question. What do you need to disconnect from in order to more fully abide in him? I promise you, every single one of us need to disconnect from something to more fully connect to him. And for, for a lot of us, it's just, I need to disconnect from me. Making every decision based on my benefit or my fame or glory. We might not see it that way, but if you're really honest, who are you trying to please? Another question. Where do you go, in, in order to diagnose this, right? Where do you go when you need help? Be honest with yourself this morning. Be honest. Let the Holy Spirit investigate your motives and your heart here. Where do you go when you need help? When you need hope? When you need peace? When you need love? When you need grace and mercy? Where do you go when you need encouragement, guidance, or direction? Well, this this is really, really where you're connected. And it's if if you're honest it's it's not doing the job and G- and Jesus promises if you abide in me these things will come to you in abundance but in James we're told in chapter 4 that our motives have to be correct cuz God knows our heart he says don't think you receive anything cuz your your motives are wrong you're you're wanting this you're not wanting me and man, when, when, when we've got, when, when we tend to have some, a lot of this going on, like everything's taken care of, we got, you know, we just tend to be like, oh yeah, I forgot about God. <laughs> no, we, we just don't seem to consider him. And we wonder why there are things in our life that, that cause us to be in a desperate mode or in a place of, of need. Maybe that's the only time that God gets our, our, our significant pursuit and it ought not be that way. So I think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? We say this often because, I mean, where do we go for these things? Love, hope, peace, encouragement, direction. Lean, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Do we do that? Do we kind of go, oh, well, let me weigh the pros and cons here. Let me think about what I should, you know, are we leaning on our, I mean, do we realize how limited our own intellect is? Google knows more than you, right? I mean, like, how much does God, like, like, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight, obvious, clear. That's the, that's the point. He will, he, and then, then we know what he wants, what his heart is. I was, we were talking in the car coming over, this morning and I was saying, man, you know, I've just grown to a place where I, I don't want my will. I reject my will. Like, I mean, I, I, I want his will. I mean, I, I, I mean, I want his will so much. I, and, the, and here's the truth is, is that like, what is my will? What are the characteristics of my will? My will um, is very, it's very limited in its perception or or, and, and it's very prone to selfish motive. And 
I mean, the list is long and and God's got it all worked out and it's just glorious and we just need to submit and, and want his way more than we want our way. And and when we don't, when we can't answer that with a resounding yes, it's it, it just boils down to, do we really trust him? Because it doesn't mean it won't be hard. It just means it'll be better by far. Because it's an internal work. There's, there's these precious commodities of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control that is foreign to the human nature. And it is, it is the fruit of the spirits. It's the fruit of God's presence. And that he longs to depict his kids in these attributes. So important. I, I have a, a song that I'm enjoying right now by Taryn. It's called um, In His Arms or In The Arms. And one of the lyrics says this, you are the only one I call home. You are the only place I go. I run in the arms of Jesus. I love that. Jesus says he is the true vine. True vine. Well, what does that what does that depict? That there's false vines. We know that there are false teachers and false doctrines and false. The, we know the enemy is a, a liar, accuser of the brethren, you know, father of lies. All all that deception is out there. But man, you know, there are other things that we can connect our life to that really destroy, especially if it's a relationship. The potential of that relationship, the the relationship itself, is is thoroughly compromised when we make that our idol. Um, you know, I, husbands can become something that we try to attach ourselves to and find, you know, for ladies, find great satisfaction and, and provision and the very things that only God can provide. Sure, we, he can be an instrument, but he is not the source. Children can become a place where, where parents put their heart and their treasure Right and and expect to find joy and satisfaction and peace and man. <laughs> For guys, it often is a career or a hobby or sports or stuff, right? Like we connect ourselves to these things and and we think that they're going to satisfy the longings of our lives and they never do, and we move on to the next idol and it's an endless pursuit that Solomon said is like chasing after the wind. Right? It's meaningless, meaningless, all of it. So Jesus says, I'm the true vine. I'm the one that if you connect to me, you make me your home, we're going to do fruitful things, things that last into eternity. Then it says, our father, he says, our father, his father, my father is the gardener or the vine dresser. Right? Now, what does that mean? That means that he gets to, he gets to cut away the dead. He gets to, um, he gets to purify the garden. He gets to, to determine what fruitfulness is and then he gets to pursue it in our life. Like, and, and he's relentless in this. And so he prunes. Uh, another word that's used here is he cleans or he takes away, right? And in some cases, it's an entire branch, which is referring to an individual. In other cases, it's, it's aspects of our lives that are cut out in order to purify us in order to to show his love and demonstrate his 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 his, je- his righteous jealousy for you whom he loves and so 
He knows where to remove and he knows where to prune. Verse 2 goes on to say, say, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Your translation might say cleans or even might use the word prunes. And every branch that that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Okay, so this morning... I have a mango tree that I was given as a gift by Miss Carol Zimmerman. And it was uh, it was called a dwarf mango, but it doesn't look like a dwarf right now in my yard. It's huge. Um, but uh, I cut this off this morning. So because I cut it off this morning, um, it still looks like it has potential. It's still, the leaves are green, right? Um, it, it's still got some potential fruit uh, that, that that's coming. But, but, let me ask you a question. Does this have any promise for fruit? None or some? None, right? Unless it's in the Ark of the Covenant, right? <laughs> it is, this, this, this has, has lost its potential and left some miraculous way it can be grafted back in, right? Otherwise, it's hopeless, right? If there's no fruit. And then what's going to happen? Is it going to remain in this? Is it going to grow? Is there going to be, look at all these fresh, beautiful branches that are coming off here and all this potential fruit that's like, is this going to grow? Uh, is it going to bear fruit? Right? Is, is, are these leaves going to remain green? Like we know that. Jesus makes this, this beautiful connection to help us to understand that we too can can wander into fruitful, fruitless states if we don't stay connected to him. He is the source. He's the only hope of, of eternal fruit in our lives because we are simply conduits. We are simply just, we're, we're, we're the instrument, but, but we, the source is not us and even the fruit isn't ours, it's his. But we, we're, we're just the instrument. And doesn't that, there's some beauty to this because the beauty is all I have to do, like, okay, do, do you think that branches go, you know, like, do, do trees kind of like, do, do branches work really hard to, no, no, it's, it's a byproduct of the health of the tree. Is Jesus healthy? You, like the branch doesn't even have roots. Its foundation, its roots are him. It's, he's the root of Jesse, of the promise, right? Like, so my point being is, like, even the fruit is not something we do. It's not, it's not an effort on our part. The only thing he's telling us to do is stay here. Abide in me. Make me your home. If you stay connected to me, fruit is the outcome. If you don't stay connected to me, you could try all you want. It ain't happening. You know, because truly, I mean, if you, I want you to, as an illustration, there are people that are like, because, you know, when we tend to kind of drift, which we're prone to do, we can still look pretty green and, and have potential. We, we still look like we got potential and that we're abiding, but, but it's a slow fade, right? After, I mean, if we remain in this state, we're in trouble. But you know what? What people will do is they'll 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 be like, uh, they'll go to, to 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 Michael's and get some of that plastic fruit and tape it on there. You know what I mean? See, see, I'm still fruitful, but it's artificial. 
It's not real. It's not eternal. It's not lasting, right? And and the beauty of it is all we've got, like all he's asking us to do is, because the disciples are like hanging on to every word. You can imagine at this point, they're staying close, right? And he's just saying, stick with me. Follow me. Don't, don't leave me. Don't go running out after other things and connecting your life to other things because it won't be fruitful. I'm going to give you a, a lot. There's a lot of discussion and controversy about the opening part of verse 2. And after 35 years, this is, I cut my teeth on this path. I love, this is, my email address is connected to Christ at Yahoo. I mean, like, this is one of my favorite passages and, and what I want to tell you that after years and years of just pouring over this, I'm just saying this is my conviction on this passage. I believe when it says every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. What has happened recently, I mean, within hours of this moment, is Judas was taken away. Right? And I believe that that's exactly what he's talking about here. We know later on Ananias and Sapphira, right? They weren't, they, they weren't sincere in, in what they were. They were looking for self-promotion in, in even their giving. You know, we see in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 11 that, that there can be some that grow sick or even die if they, if they abuse the Lord's... I mean, we, we see these occasions and, and it should create a, 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 a reverence for the Lord, right? Next question from this passage, verse 2 is what is fruit? What is fruit? I mean, what, what, what is this that we're going to produce if we stay close to him? And sure, we can go to Galatians 5, right? Which is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self Like, do you, you know, there's no law against any of this. That's what it says. Like, isn't that what we long to, 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 to define our life? And to, but, you know, there's another thing that he's talking about here with fruit. That what is what a f- fruit contains seed? What does fruit do? It propagates, it multiplies, right? And so that's what he's talking about. Like if you genuinely abide in me, you will bear fruit and you will make disciples. And it won't even be you trying to do it. It's you loving me with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. And I'm going to do it through you. That's why his yoke is easy and his burden is light. I like, we, you know, a lot of times I, it grieves me to see Christians trying so hard. Jesus didn't intend for us to, to try to do all of this stuff, including love God and love people like that. That's kind of the source of it all, right? Just give him all your affection, attention, your mindset, set your mind on things above, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. All of this speaks to the same. He keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Like these are the things that we need to understand that we're being told over and over again, seek me. If you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, right? So what is fruit? Yes, it's the fruit of the spirit, but, but it, I believe disciples are the fruit of our lives because when we're, when we're abiding in him, what did Jesus come to do? To set the captives free. We, we, we sung it this morning, right? Like we talked about the chains falling off, right? The liberation of the captives. We're no longer bound to the, to the patterns of this world. And, and, and then what are we? We're agents of that same ministry. Jesus is finishing his ministry through the church. And we get to shine because he is the light of the world. 
So how do we bear fruit? Well, I, I think it's pretty clear. We just stay connected to him. Jesus said to Martha, she, he said, one thing is necessary. Sit at my feet. One thing, that's it. Man, we make this Christian life really complicated, right? We're out there doing all the tasks when Jesus says, look, it's not about what you're doing. It's about being with me and then I'm going to do it through you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not by power or by might, but by my spirit, right? And so, as I mentioned earlier, it's not forced. It's, does it require effort? Yeah, make every effort. But what do you make an effort to do? Abide. Stay close. Right? Because is there distractions? I mean, do we all struggle to kind of keep our focus on Christ with all of the different impacts and influences and distractions? Yes. So the, the effort is this. Abide. Abide. He prunes the fruitful to bear more fruit. So that requires us trusting him, doesn't it? I'll use the example of Job, right? He will cut us, he will prune things out of our life that is, that is sinful or harmful or hurtful. Jesus said, if your eye causes you sin, gouge it out. If your arm calls, your hand causes sin, cut it off. He's not talking about self-mutilation. He's talking about, he's, he's, he's setting a precedence that, that, that he, the glory of God, the, the kingdom of God is more priceless than even your hands or your eye. Like go to extreme measures to, to, to not be, uh, if it causes you to sin. Like, and maybe that's what you need to hear this morning. Maybe that's exactly what you need to hear. Right? Because you either kill sin or it kills you. Right? I mean, it, it has devastating impacts on you and everybody in your life. And so Jesus is basically saying in that passage, take extreme measures in order to rid yourself of this, even though your flesh has an affinity for it. Right? And let's be honest, it does, right? We, 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 we crave these things at times, thinking they're going to satisfy us in some ridiculous way, knowing they don't. So the, the challenge there is to trust the, the, the loving pruning hand of the Father. Because sometimes, even when you're fruitful, God is going to prune us for greater fruitfulness. And the other thing I would tell you is, let's not judge another's pruning. That's exactly what Job's friends did, and they were rebuked for it. You don't know what God is doing. You know, you just need to... There's, there's a log in your eye. Let's focus on that, right? Let's not be judgmental. I mean, even when someone is being, because the assumption that everybody makes is, well, what did they do? Well, maybe they're just being fruitful and God is pruning them for greater fruitfulness. Verse three says, you, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. In other words, God's word cleanses, purifies. It prunes us. It's powerful and effective. Man, listen, we, we are desperate for time in front of God's word with a teachable spirit and a humble heart, a heart that's ready to, to, to repent because that's what's required. And, and if that's our disposition, that we are, tr- that we are, we are obedient, uh, we're ready to first time listeners, right? Ready to be obedient. Then the word of God actually cleanses us. Right? You ever been in front of God's word, whether it's preached, taught, or in your quiet time, and you're, and you're convicted? How about every time? Right? Most times, at least for me. Like, I'm, I'm convicted. And, and that's a gift. That's not a problem. 
That's not an issue. That's not something we avoid. That's something we embrace. That's the gift from God. That What's his agenda? He's cleaning us up. He's pruning us. Can we, can we treat that as a gift? Because that's what it is. And, and, and how does this work? How does this verse 3 work? Well, I'm going to tell you this is how it works. It, it starts with conviction. Ideally, it moves to repentance, right? Which means that I'm turning from my way to his way, right? And then it, 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 this is how it ends. It ends with the refreshment of your soul, the healing of your life. When's the last time you just got on your face read James chapter four, which is the whole picture and your laughter to mourning and your joy to like just and just repented with a sincere blessed are those who mourn for they will become like mourned your sin. I mean, is there stuff in your life that you know God is is not okay with? That you know this isn't this is this is this keeps you at odds with God's plan and pattern? Why would you even flirt with that? Hate it. Hate it. Cut, gouge it out. Cut it off. Repent of it. Declare it to God that I don't want it. I know you don't want it, so I don't want it. Would you take this from me? Would you heal me of this? I'm turning from this to you. And, we, and do you know, we're told in, John, in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repent, like we don't have to even change. We just have to turn. He changes us. We repent. We confess. We're going to have some occasion for that here at the end of our time together. Verse four, abide in me, he says, which if he repeats this this many times, maybe it's important. And I in you, as a branch cannot, please don't miss that, cannot bear fruit by itself. It ain't happening, right? Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So the question is, how do we abide? We set our mind. We meditate on things above. We, 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 we meditate on the scriptures. We give God our heart, mind, strength, and soul. We spend time in his word. But guys, all of those things for naught if it's not a pursuit of him. These are not tasks. These aren't even spiritual disciplines. These are relational pursuits after the heart of God. That we, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to this. Depart from me for I did not know you. It's, man, when you get in the word, it is, you're, you, what you're wanting to do is you're wanting to know him. You're wanting to, to know him the way that he knows you, right? That's the, that's the pursuit. That's what abiding is. So what happens in fruitless branches? What happens in these fruitless branches? They're cut off. I mean, this, this, is, a, this is a very awe-inspiring moment, a sobering statement we're, we're told here later on. And we are helpless without him. We must acknowledge that. That's why he refers to himself as the helper in all facets. Verse five is, is probably the primary passage. We, we, we quote this all the time, but, but he's, it's redundant to verse four. He, I mean, because it's, he wants to be emphatic. I am the vine. You are the branches. 
Whoever abides in me and I in him. And let me just say, when he says it this way and he does it over and over again, it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to abide in you. Whoever abides in me and I in him. Right? Like we're the ones that tend to move and not abide, not stay at home. Right? So he says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, without Christ, we live a fruitless life. It's not even life, it's existence. Verse 6 continues, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branch, the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Look, look, God doesn't send anybody to hell. The lake of fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. God has made a way, a narrow path back. I mean, Jesus came to rescue and to save. I mean, we're drowning in our own sin and Jesus comes to be our lifesaver. How is that God sending anybody to hell? He's coming to save us and we are rejecting his salvation. And if we choose not to abide, there are clear consequences. Man, I could have thrown up 15 verses that just completely solidify this, this statement. This image helps us further understand the necessity of abiding in Christ. Verse 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Okay, now we've been given two things. Abide in him and abide in his word. Later on, we're told abide in his, anybody know? Love. So there are three things in this passage that he calls us to abide in. Him, him his word, and his love. Right? But, but we're told here that if we, to abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Boy, this gets taken inappropriately. But I do believe that the ingredients of this is for a powerful prayer life that wants and prays the Father's will. Like that, the reason we abide in his word and the reason we delight in him is so that he can give us the desires of our heart. God wants to give us his perspective, his heart, his ambition, his directives, what, what he treasures we should treasure. And when that's the truth, because we're abiding in him and in his word, man, what are we praying for? Let's be honest. What are we praying for? His will. And is that going to happen? Guaranteed. That's how our life, I mean, you, you really want to see God move? Start praying his word back to his promises back to him. Start, start standing on those things as Elijah did when he asked it to not rain for three and a half years. John 15, 8 goes on to say, By this my Father is glorified. Wow! That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So what is this saying? Fruit bearing glorifies the Father because it reflects Him. It, it, it brings Him to bear on the world. Secondly, it also verifies or proves our connectedness to Christ. Why do you think that He cut down, He, he cursed the fig tree? Why? Because it wasn't, it wasn't accomplishing its purpose. Do you know that God purposed your life to be fruitful? And now he's empowered that by a relationship with him in order for you to bear fruit. But we can reject all of that by rejecting his presence, by rejecting him. Verse 9 and 10 says, As the Father has loved me, Jesus was convinced, I have loved you. Abide in my love. 
That's the third abide. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So how do we abide in his love? What does it say? Keep his word, keep his commandments. That's, and, and if you just go back to chapter 14, it's, it's stated like three times in there, right? Which is the same conversation. Like we, we show him love by doing what he asks us to do. And we don't do it for any other reason. We're not trying to achieve favor or, or be, be good enough or, or somehow find righteousness in that. We are just trying to love God back with the love that he has given us in obedience. And then, and Jesus has told us that. The other thing is, the question that we would ask here as we wrap up is, what are his commandments, right? Because he says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So what's his commandments? Well, a couple of verses later, look at verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you, you want to abide in his love? Love other people to this standard, the way he's loved you. That's how we stay in his love. By just, man, guys, do you, I always marvel at this. Man, do you wake, wake up each day and go, okay, today I get to love people in God's power and for his glory. That's what he's asked us to do, to love him and love others, right? What's so bad about that? What's a, that's, that's abundant life. Like go out there and love people. But what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not your evil desires that war within your own heart? Yes, that's what keeps us from loving people. It's our own desires. And so we have to abide in order to be pruned of those things so that we can continue to grow in love. And, and then we grow in his love. Oh, it just gets better and better, right? That's, that's the beauty of it. And verse 11, the final verse says this, and, and this is so key. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Whose joy? His joy, right? That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. How many of you know that joy is very different than happiness? Okay. This is a sustaining force that brings strength and perseverance. Let me give you a few verses to, because what Jesus is saying here is huge. Right? He's saying that all these things that I've just told you, don't miss this. All these things that I've just spoken to you, this is why, this is part of why I've told you that my joy may be in you, because unless you abide in me, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Unless you abide in me, there's no joy. Right? You ever, guys, do you have enough experience with the Lord to know that's true? You wander off, and the first thing we lose is our. Right now, let's see what the implications of that is. Look in Psalm 16, verse 11. The psalmist says this, you make known to me the paths of life or the path of life. In your presence, there is what? Fullness of joy. Fullness in your presence. Isn't that stating the abiding? Isn't that the exact same thing? Like we, joy is not native to our nature right? It is native to his nature. So we need to spend time with him. Secondly, as it relates to joy, in Nehemiah 10, it says this, do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your, you want to be a weak believer? Don't abide, right? Don't, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And 
If you've ever been in a place where you feel weak as a believer, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about just in the inner man, the soul. Like, it, there's probably an absence of joy. Now, here's the thing. Can we ask the Lord for joy? Yes. Can we draw near to his spirit and crave the, the presence and the filling of his spirit? We can ask for these things, right? Reveal the son to me, Father. We were told to even pray that. But we're told things like in 1 Thessalonians 5, we're told to be joyful. How often, Donna? Whoa. I mean, do you think that God sets us up for failure? No, he just wants us to ask, right? He, he just wants us to ask for the right things for the right reason. Lord, I want to be strong in you and mighty for you that I might bear fruit and give you glory. Would you grant me the joy of my, that, that I need to be strong in this moment? Man, I, I mean, the joy of the Lord is our strength. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. So where do we go to get our joy? The presence of the Lord, right? And that's our strength. And then we're told in Philippians 4.13, I can do what? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. How many things? I mean, this is talking about contentment. That's the context of the passage in chapter four. But he's saying, let me, let me just be broad here. All things. Through and these are things that are, are in the Father's will, of course. But then look at Philippians in two passages. Chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, rejoice in the Lord always, right? It says, it says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you is no trouble. To me, it's no trouble at all and is safe for you. There is, there is protection from choosing joy, choosing his presence. Now that makes perfect sense when you put it that way, right? Because look, the enemy is not afraid of you, terrified of him. So there's safety in his presence where the fullness of joy is. Does it make sense? You know, we're told in chapter four, rejoice in the Lord always, verse four. And again, I say rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, right? We're called to be people that are marked by joy because we're abiding in his presence. So I'm going to ask the same question I asked at the very beginning of our message. What has the Lord done to dwell with us? And I'm going to tell you, he's done it all. And so what should we do in order to dwell with him? I believe we should give it all. I think it should be a surrendered life that just wants him more than we want anything in this world anything. Seek him with all your heart. Dwell. So as the worship team comes, what I want to do as we sing this song that, that really, you know, continues to unpack the same principle for us. And as we sing it from our hearts with great intention, what I encourage you to do, guys, get out of your seat, make your seat an altar and and, and do whatever the Lord is, is convicted you to do. Maybe there's things that need to be cut out based on God's word and, and by his power and for his glory. But would you declare to him that you are my ambition, my pursuit, my home, my dwelling place? And if that's not true, would you seek him so that, that he can help you make that true of your life? I want to tell you the altar is open. Your seat can be an altar, but, but make time with the Lord to, to, to really make, I want us to be practical this morning, that we're not just learning a concept here, but that we're moving 
in the direction of, of this truth being our, our truth, our reality. Father, I pray that, uh, that you would help us to abide in the ways that you have intimately abided with us. You have made us your temple. You have, you have, you're not beside us like the disciples had Jesus, but you're inside us now. Oh, that we would, we would treasure your presence. Oh, one day in your presence. It's, it's more profound. It's more, it's more wanted than a thousands of them elsewhere. Lord, that would, that, that would be the true confession of our heart. Oh, that you would please, Holy Spirit, bring conviction and change your word to bear on our souls that, that we would truly abide in your presence and whatever is standing in the way, Lord, that we would confess that today, turn from that and cling to you with every cell in our body. Lord, let that be true. Help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.